0: Flop flop fizz, fizz. I'm Grace. I'm Bridget. And this is the Gossier. And you're going to need an antacid because you're going to get excited. <laughs> you're going to get excited, which will lead to some devastating heartburn, baby. You will want an antacid, but you'll be happy to have one. Maybe have a little milk. Just have a little warm milk before bed tonight. That's all you need. We're going to start out, of course, as always, with our first segment, which is called You Have to Tell Me. And You Have to Tell Me is the segment where me and Bridget pick our own specific gossip that we tell each other about. So, Bridget, you have to tell me about the Zola movie.
1: Oh, my God. There have been other Twitter threads. This is like in my book, the first and only one that matters. Other people have also done stories on Twitter, and I don't think they were even close to being as like satisfying as this one. I remember
0: it being like the one thing everyone was talking about, which at that time of Twitter, there wasn't a lot of that. And I honestly don't remember the full story. And I remember when I heard the movie was coming out, I purposely was like, well, I don't want to know the story. I want to be surprised by the movie. But I do remember when they announced the the movie, I was like,
1: oh, that's going to be a good movie. So there's a Rolling Stones article about it. Mm -hmm. And I reread it because yeah, I remember coming out real time and like being at work and like talking to everyone at work and I worked at like a really boring office job and being like, "Did you see this?" But it comes out June 30th and they just released the trailer and it is originally a 148 tweet story by Azia Zola King and the whole story is about her at work at Hooters meeting a woman who took her to Florida And without knowing it, kind of signed up for like a sex worker gig. Mm -hmm. And this was back in October of 2015 that the story came out. Some little interesting movie facts here. James Franco was originally set to direct it. But in 2018, when those sexual allegations came out against him, they... They said, nope. (laughs) They said, thanks, but no thanks. Probably won't age well. So now it's Genexa Bravo. She was actually married to Brett Gilman, which is kind of weird. For anyone who's listening who doesn't know, he's the pervert brother-in-law from Fleabag. He's like a weird guy on
0: Stranger Things.
1: Yeah, the Russian. Taylor Page plays Zola. Mm -hmm. She was in, I thought you would like this little fact. She was a dancer in High School Musical 3. Good for her. And she also played Chadwick Boseman's young girlfriend and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. (laughs) Oh!
0: Oh, I love Ma Rainey's Black Bottom.
1: I hate to admit this, but I have not seen it yet. Well,
0: I'm in a play club and we just read the play. So then we watched the movie.
1: With like your other theater nerd Yeah, with my other
0: like theater major (laughs) friends. And to be fair, it's really my one friend, Spencer, and his boyfriend, Patrick, host it. And there's a whole bunch of people on the email list.
1: But most weeks, I'm the only one who reads the play. (laughs) So it's just the three of us. I'm kind of jealous It's cute. It's fun. And then Riley Keogh plays Stephanie, who in the Twitter threads and the Rolling Stones article, her name's Jessica. Mm -hmm. Now, Riley Keogh, do you know who her famous mother is?
0: I don't, but of course she has a famous mother.
1: It's Leslie Marie Presley. Oh, and then when you look at her, you're like, oh my God,
0: they look exactly the same. That's fascinating because she's going to be, I know her name because she's going to be in a movie that's coming out that's based on a book I read. And the book is kind of like a fictional retelling of like a Fleetwood Mac-esque band. It's called Daisy Jones and the Six. They do like a mockumentary book format and she's going to play like the lead in that. So I'm excited to see her in this and that. So I think she's going to have a big year coming up. Or whenever these movies come out.
1: Well, yeah, she's done like a ton of indie films. Like it's a long list. I'm not going to list them off.
0: You can all go on IMDb on your own time.
1: (laughs) And she's only been in like two blockbusters. But I feel like once you start working with A24, you're set. Oh, yeah.
0: She's going to blow up. She'll probably get an Oscar nomination for Zola. They're probably going to be pushing that stuff.
1: I feel like it's either going to do so well that it might be an Oscar contender for next year. Or it's just going to be like, one of those kind of alienating movies. I mean, I'm watching it either way. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm going to
0: see it in the theater.
1: I will be vaccinated in the theater watching that movie. Yeah,
0: I'll go to a midnight premiere if they offer it. Hell yeah. But I think because it's A24 and because those two lead actresses are kind of prestige I think it's going to be a big success.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And the director. Yes. She's directed a lot of like TV stuff too. Yeah. I think
0: it's prestige enough that they're pushing it for award stuff. And it's going to be the perfect post COVID push because it's about so the opposite of COVID of like partying and being out and about, sex with strangers. Yeah. I think it's going to blow up. And I'm excited to be there for it.
1: I cannot imagine when I saw that James Franco was originally tied to this. It's just like... What a total misread. 100%. Can you imagine this like privileged asshole white guy directing this film that came from a story from a black woman... Like, I feel like there would be a large disconnect.
0: Yeah, I think it would have been bad. I am excited also because Nicholas Braun is in it. I'm a longtime Nicholas Braun stan. What else is he in? He's in Succession, is like the prestige answer.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. He's the boyfriend. Yes, yes. Greg the
0: Egg in Succession. Exactly. But I've lo- I've been a long-time lover of him since his Disney Channel days. What was he? <laughs> Minutemen <laughs> was a Disney Channel original movie that was- he was great in. He was also in, and I did watch this, the TV the remake version of 10 Things I Hate About You that was on ABC Family when it was still ABC Family? I didn't even know that was a thing. Nor should you. I mean, it's like if the movie was worse and everyone does a great job, so no offense to them. Also starring Lindsay Shaw from Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. The blonde girl from Camp Rock, whose name I can't remember. The villain from the first Camp Rock. And some hot guy whose name I don't know. I think it's Ethan Peck. He looks like a robot, but he's not Kyle XY, but he looks like he could be.
1: Who's Kyle XY?
0: That's another ABC Family show about an alien. I can't, we're getting too deep into the ABC Family lore. Wheelheads will know what I mean by Kyle XY. (laughs)
1: You have to tell me. Oh, yes. You have to tell me about Pete Davidson dating Phoebe. Divener. Who knows?
0: I honestly don't know her name. I know her
1: and you all listening will know her
0: as the lead in Bridgerton. Daphne Bridgerton. Oh. Oh, so she is currently dating Pete Davidson. These things usually break in page six. The way this broke is that a teenager saw them on the street together, like hanging out in England. And she went up to Pete Davidson. She was like, are you Pete Davidson? And he like used a British accent and was like, no, I'm not. And then like 10 minutes later, he was like, I am Pete Davidson. I'm sorry, I lied. <laughs> and so she just like snitched. So now I guess they're kind of dating. How do you think they met? Apparently, according to Demois on Instagram, they met at a house party. A COVID house party? Tell me about it. The theory is, is that the male lead of Bridgerton, Regé Jean Page, he just hosted SNL recently. So the working theory that I don't think has been confirmed, but makes sense to me is that they got invited to a house party and Pete Davidson happened to be invited. Then they met. So now Pete Davidson's got a new girlfriend. That's what I was going to guess. I was going to guess
1: it was through him being on SNL somehow.
0: Yeah, that makes the most sense to me.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's a common cute meet you hear about for comedians.
0: I mean, that's how Colin Jost met Scarlett Johansson. It's
1: how I heard Maya Rudolph met
0: Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, we got to get on SNL just to meet a famous celebrity to date.
1: You know, we probably could at least go to a taping.
0: That's- It's true. I would just have to get into the taping and in like a ball gown and make eyes at the right person at the right time.
1: I don't think you want to wear a ball gown.
0: Well, how else am I going to stand out? You know what? Actually, no. Like a novelty t-shirt. That says I'm single. Well, no, it says like, you know, it's specific to the host. Like if it's Jude Law, it says, if loving you is against the Jude Law, then arrest me. You get it? (laughs) I'm going to prosecute you to the full extent of the Jude Law.
1: I was going to say, I'm, I'm a fan of Jude Law to, Law and Order. <laughs> Out hyphen Jude hyphen law. Oh, yeah.
0: Reward my heart. If my name was Miranda, okay. If my name was Miranda, I'd be like, I know the Jude Law. I'll read you my Miranda rights. But my name would have to be Miranda for that to work. You could do some character work. As far as Jude Law knows, my name is Miranda. I'll get married to him and I will go to my grave telling him my name is Miranda. He'll see my driver's license. He'll be like, I can see your name's not Miranda. I'm like, then why did I wear that t-shirt, Jude? Bridget, you have to tell me about Jimmy Fallon getting canceled again.
1: Oh yeah, I think you have some... Hot deets on this as well. Yeah. So, this past week, I think most people are aware now that Addison Ray Easterling, who's a famous 20 year old TikToker, performed on Fallon, dancing viral videos that were created by TikTokers, notably TikTokers who are POC. Mm-hmm. Now, this is already a conversation in the TikTokverse about straight TikToks, which are Wyatt Attractive Kids performing content that's already been created by usually a person of color mm-hmm. and taking credit for it. Mm-hmm. The show is completely tone deaf. They did not correctly credit these creators. I think they did in a, like post-thought way where they released a YouTube video, maybe with some of the content creators' names.
0: They credited everyone in the description of the YouTube video, but it's unclear when that
1: was added. I I had to be after. I definitely think Addison Ray is somewhat guilty. If you're going to be a content creator, this is a conversation that you need to be willing to accept And to maybe create a larger conversation about, I think just ignoring it is obviously making you a guilty party. But alongside with her being guilty, I think we have to share that guilt with Jimmy Fallon,
0: who's Mm -hmm. been
1: in the industry for a long fucking time. So it's kind of fucked up that his whole team just like ignored this conversation.
0: The thing about it to me, because I'm a big TikTok girl, I scroll through TikTok. It's been enough of a TikTok conversation that if you have people on your staff who are aware of TikTok, which I'm sure they must, you know, this is something that's going to come up. And the thing that's also interesting is TikTok has a feature, it's called Duet, where you can basically put your videos side by side with another person's. And that's how a lot of, you know, bigger creators can credit smaller creators who don't have as big of a following. And particularly Addison Rae, who's been one of the first creators to really, blow up and kind of she's now trying to make the move from tiktok into you know more widespread fame which whether that's her move or her team but addison ray is also she was on jimmy fallon to promote a single she just released which is bad i don't know if you've listened to it
1: yeah no one no one gives a shit after of the single after this well what's weird about
0: the single too is that the chorus is like oh you say you're obsessed with me and i say me too but the point of it is that like me too is a big part of the lyrics and it doesn't address the me too Ooh, movement
1: yeah you say you're obsessed with me so i took a second and i said me too i'm obsessed with me as much as you you obsessed with me, me too.
0: And she's also going to be in, they're doing a She's All That remake that's called He's All That, and she's going to be in that. So it's. I'm curious to see how her fame is going to change from now until then and how we will receive her in that movie. I think that movie is going to bomb. Oh, totally. Will I see it in theaters? Absolutely. I won't go to a midnight premiere.
1: <laughs> it's not the Zola movie. You can report back because I think a lot of us are planning on not seeing.
0: Yeah. And as you should, but also she made a statement.
1: So let me read the statement. I think that we're all credited in the original YouTube posting, but it's kind of hard to credit during the show, but they know I love them so much. And I mean, I support all of them so much. And hopefully one day we can all meet up and dance together
0: to play Addison Rae advocate. And I'm not an Addison Rae advocate, but calling this a statement is a little unfair to her because really it was, she was talking to some TMZ guy on the street. It wasn't an official statement, but also on the other side of that, she should have released a more official statement. She should have not talked to the TMZ guy if she didn't have a prepared statement. If I'm her publicist, I'm hitting her today. Yes. I mean, there's obviously a lot of issues with that statement. Number one, you wrote the name of the dance on the poster board. Write the original creator on the poster board or use a chyron.
1: It's almost like, do you think there's a technological way? I'm sure it has not been invented yet. They could do it on TikTok, but I guess like a filmed program that's not filmed entirely live. I see how it could be difficult to somehow, I don't know, do a side-by-side or invite the actual creators to dance with her.
0: Exactly. It seems like they could have just even played the original video, asked the other creators. It just obviously no one was thinking. And I do think that unfortunately, Addison Ray is getting like the brunt of the hate for this. And it's not totally her fault because she's there to promote her single. This was probably just something that Jimmy was like, oh, we should do this to show people who don't watch TikTok. So it's not like probably that she had a lot of say. She or someone on her team should have had the forethought to be like, hey, she actually didn't create those dances. And since your audience doesn't know that, maybe we should credit those original people or show their videos.
1: I mean, it shows the amount of privilege. She has enough privilege that's not a conversation for her. Her team, probably people who don't give a shit either way, they're looking at like, This little girl's making us money.
0: Yeah. None of this is surprising that both of them didn't do a good job. We don't expect anything from these people, but it is like, Addison, if you're going to keep doing shit like this, you better learn how to make a statement. Because she also just like last week or even earlier this week before the Jimmy Fallon thing came under fire because she's like not masked up correctly in public. She from Orange County. I don't know, but I will say she went to school at like LSU or something somewhere in Louisiana. Oh. And my sister went to school at Tulane and she happens to know like some people who knew Addison Rae when she started doing TikToks and everyone was like, oh, it's so cringy. She's always dancing on TikTok and now she's famous. So I guess she showed them through this whole thing. It's clear that she's just not prepared to be a celebrity. She's got to get a better team. Yeah, her team is sucking, dude. You let her just talk to TMZ on the street without releasing an official statement? Girl.
1: Walk around without wearing a mask correctly? Yeah. You release a
0: song that says Me Too a bunch? It's like, come on, guys. Pick one bad thing to do.
1: You have to tell me about Burnapalooza.
0: Okay, so this is a personal piece of gossip. So my mom loves to burn things. So we have a fire pit. She has a fire pit in her backyard. And my sister goes over to my mom's house for Sunday dinner every week. And they'll text me if there's something going on at Sunday dinner, because I don't go every week. And I always know it's a fun Sunday dinner when there's a fire and they're burning stuff. So my mom had this idea as we were all getting our vaccinations. She was like, you know what? We should do a thing called Burnapalooza where we just all bring a bunch of stuff and we burn it. And there's like a prize for whoever burns the coolest thing. So this was our first official Burnapalooza. This was last weekend. It was a roaring success.
1: It's great to hear your mom once have a Burnapalooza in a place where fires are the greatest source of damage.
0: It's contained in the fire (laughs) pit. Just want to stress, Grace is being safe. Yes. I'm being safe. I promise. And we had a rule. If you go to the emergency room, you're going alone. Okay. If you get burnt, that's on you, baby. We're not all going to a hospital during a pandemic, but it was a roaring success. One option for Burnapalooza is bringing something that's like meaningful that you want to burn and leave behind. So of course a couple of us burned some, some of our masks, you know, saying goodbye COVID go up in flames. I burned a deck of tarot cards because I got a new deck of tarot cards. Oh, I passed out tarot cards so everyone could see which tarot card they were burning. So we did a little tarot reading and then burn. And then my mom's boyfriend, Mark, did his theme was balls. So he burned a bunch of different balls. And the best one was a basketball, which exploded. Yeah, I bet. It was cool, but very safe. Sure. Yeah, I believe you. I didn't win Palooza because my mom was judging. So she gave it to her boyfriend. She's biased, but I get it. He brought the basketball. It's a good choice. (laughs) Did you
1: film it? Oh, yeah, we filmed it. Did you have the basketball? on film?
0: Yes. Yeah. That'll be going on the Instagram. Well,
1: I'm very happy
0: for you. It sounds like you guys had a good cleanse. We did. It was very fun. I love a fire. Love a good fire. All right, Bridget, you have to tell me about Matt Gates. It's a
1: downer because he's disgusting. Yeah. But it's validating because we all knew he was disgusting and we just needed like the proof, you know? Yeah. Besides, you know, hanging out with Holocaust deniers and voting terribly, especially he voted against human trafficking laws. It's like, what the
0: fuck? Some of these Republicans, I think they're just phone. They're just not even paying attention. They're like, I know this is a Democrat bill. I got to vote against it. It's like, dude.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's their whole thing. And you know what? I'm not a big fan of the Democrats either. But Jesus Christ, I do believe in taking care of people. So some things to point out about this. Gates is a Florida man naturally. It says that in his Twitter bio. I am Florida man.
0: He told us who he was. Yes. He told us exactly what he was going to do.
1: Yeah, this guy's feathers were out there. And if you don't know who Matt Gates is, you're listening to this. Um, he is a member of the House. He's a Republican. He represents Florida. He loves Trump. He's an absolute freak. The New York Times came out with this article saying that the Department of Justice is investigating And what they are investigating is a relationship he had with a 17-year-old girl in 2019. Now, what they're trying to determine is if Gates broke sex trafficking laws by paying for the girl to travel with him. Mm. So they don't really have proof that he necessarily paid her for any sex. But if you pay for anything of value and have a relationship with a minor, it could be considered sex trafficking. I didn't know that. Yeah. So like anything from like paying for her travel, paying for meals, paying for cigarettes, all of that. So if he like bought her McDonald's one time, that's enough. Yeah. Now he claims he's being extorted and creates like very convoluted story about how he's being extorted. He like claims that this happened to him at the end of March, that someone came to him demanding money. And he went to his daddy and his daddy advised him to go to the FBI. But here's the thing. This case opened up when Barr was the attorney general. Mm. So like they've known about this problem for a while. And his friend, Joel Greenberg, who is an Orlando guy, he got indicted last summer for sex trafficking. And he's actually pals with Gates. It's on their social media. There's a picture of them together. So since this story broke, it's also broke that there's cash app receipts and text messages from Gates to women. So he's definitely paying for sex and he's been showing lawmakers pictures of nude women that he claims to have slept with. Yeah. And he also tried to get Tucker Carlson <laughs> involved. So he went on Fox news, you know, to try like clear up his name. Yeah. And so he's like, remember how you met this young woman and we just had like dinner together and tucker carlson's like i don't he's like no i don't i don't remember that matt and the rumor is like tucker carlson just like lost his fucking mind like behind the scenes that is hysterical he said
0: if i'm going down you're all coming with me yeah there's a lot to unpack here first of all totally gross Second of all, it's so funny to me that he's spinning it as like, oh, well, I was extorted. Because it's like, you're not saying you didn't do it then. You're just saying that someone's like extorting you for it, if I'm understanding correctly.
1: It's a very, I'm trying to think about how to say this intellectually without going too deep into the story. Because I didn't even go that deep in the story because I knew it was convoluted. So I was like, I don't even want to. So essentially, like there was a government agent in iran sure and whatever mission he was on his family and the agents so his agency believes that he is dead Uh and they told his family that now there might be doubts or whatever for whatever reason sure he's trying to say send us money to protect this guy or otherwise we'll go and say you're having this affair with a 17 year old and i'm sure missing the weird details but like that's basically the story you come up with after the new york times says hey you're diddling girls for money
0: matt gates has the same team as addison ray he doesn't have a good statement (laughs) they said fuck both in one week We're running out of statements here. You're on your own. They're like, Addison, we can't give you a statement. We're talking to the New York Times. Go talk to a guy on the sidewalk. Tell them you were extorted. Yeah. And she's like, wait, I wasn't extorted. Matt was extorted. And, he, and he's like, why did you give me a statement about TikTok? That's why the statements are bad. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mystery solved.
1: You have to tell me oh about Roger Jean Page not returning for season two of Bridgerton.
0: Yes. So this news just broke that he's not coming back for season two. And I- did you watch Bridgerton? I tried. Fair enough. As you may or may not know on Bridgerton, there's like a Gossip Girl-esque character named Lady Whistledown. And every time they do like announcements for the show, now they like make it like written by Lady Whistledown in her like language.
1: Oh, that's cute. Like on their social media and stuff.
0: Yeah, it's cute. So it's like it released this whole statement of like, oh, the Duke will not be returning, blah, blah, blah. So this is the thing. This news broke. People are all heartbroken because this man is so, so hot. But this (laughs) this should not be a surprise to any of us because of what Bridgerton is. It's based on this series of novels. Each novel is a different Bridgerton child. Yeah. So this first season was the Daphne Bridgerton novel, which is called The Duke and I. But at the end of this season, you know, they moved outside of the city and they kind of have their own life. Their story kind of wrapped up. Oh. And we're moving to another Bridgerton brother's story. So it kind of makes sense that he wouldn't be in it as much, if at all.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I was going to ask. I knew it was like an anthology aren't they contemporary timelines what do you mean so like even though we're going to another book it'd be like what's happening to the brother at the same time all this stuff happened to his sister for instance no
0: I don't think so because the next one we're going to get is Anthony Bridgerton who's the older brother and he had enough going on in the first season that like he couldn't have been having a love story concurrent with all of that some of the other Bridgerton siblings were smaller enough that maybe it'll be at the same time but I think anything that happens in season two will be like chronologically after the events of season one
1: do you think it'll be just as like raunchy sex I think so well they're all romance
0: novels it's basically how all of the Bridgerton kids fall in love it's all a romance novel for each child okay so It's probably going to be just as horny, but it's going to be like a differently hot guy. I don't want to say less hot because I personally... Think Anthony Bridgerton is very hot.
1: Wait, how old are these kids having sex?
0: They're all old enough. Like, first of all, it's regency. So, like, the girl is like maybe 17 or 18 because that's when like they got married. They don't really specify, but you know, like the girls are a lot younger. The boys are old enough that it's like whatever. There's a certain level of the regency that they don't really like address how old they are, but they do basically. I mean, there's a whole plot in the first season of Bridgerton. Spoilers for Bridgerton if you haven't seen it. She like has sex for the first time. She doesn't know what come is. And that's like a whole That's a big thing because basically, you know, not to give you the whole rundown of Bridgerton, but she really wants to have kids and the duke is like I don't want to have kids because I hated my dad. So he tells her I can't have kids. And so she assumes like, "Oh, he like is infertile, I don't know how she, or sterile. Like, I don't know how she makes that connection. She doesn't really understand sex. But then every time they have sex, he pulls out and eventually she starts noticing. So she goes to a maid and she's like, what's this stuff? And the maid's like, that's how you get pregnant. So then she like traps him into like coming inside of her. She get like a Chinese finger trap for her vagina? No, she basically, usually she, you know, they're in missionary and she's like on the bottom. So he just gets off easy. But after they have sex for a while, you know, they start trying some new positions. So the night in question, she like gets on top and he's like, okay, I need to go now. And she's like, no, I'm staying here. That's kind of rapey. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. And it is, you know, it's bad for them. And he gets mad at her about it. Eventually they make up. And eventually he's like, okay, I'll have a kid.
1: I feel like those were the conversations, maybe because people were like, we don't want to spoil the show. Yeah. But I feel like I definitely did not see enough about the rape discourse of the show.
0: It's definitely, the thing about it, about the discourse and about the show is like, it treats it as bad that she does this. It's not like, well, what else was she supposed to do? Like it treats it as a bad thing she did that was pretty unforgivable. And it almost breaks them up, but eventually they kind of get past it because it's a romance novel. But it does treat it as like, Like, oh, that's not good. Oh, that's wild. All this to say, at the end of the season, he like comes to terms with his relationship with his father and she like accepts that maybe he can't be ready at the same timeline. Like they kind of, whatever, resolve their issues and then it ends with them having a baby. It all takes place in like one town square basically with all these families. And so they move to like the country home as many people do when they get married. So like, it was always going to be clear To me, if the next season is Anthony Bridgerton's season, the Duke's just not going to be in it as much. So I guess everyone's now surprised that he's not going to be in it at all. But he's been like, you know, making the rounds, doing appearances. He's obviously the breakout star. He did SNL. He's booking.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I thought maybe he wasn't returning just because he probably booked something bigger and better.
0: It could be that they were like, oh, we'd love to have you for a couple episodes. And he was like, no. And he's easy enough to write out because
1: he's not a main character. Would you, as an actress, you're an actress, would you want to be stuck on the sex show or would you want to be, you want to like get out of the sex show arena? I
0: wouldn't be mad being on the sex show, but if I'm going to be like a secondary character, because- He's never going to be the lead of it again. Yeah. Everyone else is going to have their time to shine. He's probably hit his peak with it. I think if time permitted me to, sure, I would go and make a couple appearances. That's what people love from me. But like if I was getting (laughs) offers, yeah, my fans would need me back. My fans would need me, definitely. See how quickly I fall into this mindset. I'm like, well, my fans would want to see me on Bridgerton, of course. So I would, of course, do. But like if I was getting offered what I assume he's getting offered and like my schedule couldn't do it, I'd be like, you don't need me. Yeah, my fans will find me. But he's not coming back. So people are kind of in mourning about it. Although, again, the writing was kind of on the wall. Bridget, you have to tell me about how New York legalized recreational weed.
1: Yeah, baby. Welcome new york to the club that grace and i already belong to here in california so not only did they legalize it but they're going to also expunge all prior weed convictions that's great so new york is the fifth state to allow recreational weed. It could create up to 60,000 jobs and it will probably take a year or two for recreational sales despite being effective immediately.
0: Oh, so it'll take a while.
1: I felt like they said that about Chicago too. And then that happened pretty quick.
0: Yeah, I felt like things happened pretty fast here too, but I guess we live in LA. There were a lot of dispensaries already yeah. set up. So to set it up recreationally is not so bad.
1: Well, and we had a weird transition, right? From like when I first moved here, it was medical. Yeah. So it was medical only, right? You had to have a yeah a license or a, a doctor's note essentially. Mm-hmm. And then they switched it. You could do recreational. You just pay way more in taxes.
0: I honestly don't know because I don't buy that much weed because I'm a cheapskate. (laughs) There's really nothing else about it. I'm a cheapskate in a mooch and dispensaries intimidate me.
1: I don't mind because it's still less than what I was
0: paying in college. The thing about me is I don't know much about weed. So I go to a dispensary and I'm like, can I just have like some gummies? (laughs) Like They're like, what strain do you like? I'm like, I don't know. Just give
1: me some gummies. Oh, I, I've done so much reading. I'm like the person that's always like, let me tell you what to get.
0: But I just feel like the dispensary people are so much cooler than me. And I like walk in and I'm like, hi, can I just have like a gummy bear, please? But are you the same way with bartenders? <laughs> no, because I know what I'm talking about at the bar. I feel very cool at a bar because, you know, not for nothing, I'm not like other girls, okay? I order martinis. Unlike other <laughs> girls. I mean, I'm half joking, but I'm I go up and order a martini. So they like know I know what I'm talking about a little more. So I don't feel like bartenders are cooler than me. I feel like I'm the same level as cool as bartenders. And maybe that's because I've worked in a bar. So like I know bartenders aren't
1: cool. That is so true. Everyone, if you haven't figured this out yet, bartenders are not as hot as you think they are.
0: (laughs) Like, I know a shaker can do a lot. It can trick the
1: eye. I know that. It's a good show. And I'm saying this, too, as someone who's worked in bars. And I'm saying this to really protect you because I know a lot of shitty men bartenders that very much took advantage being a man and being a bartender.
0: This is in defense of some bartenders because you love, I love a bartender who doesn't think they're too cool. They're like, oh, whatever you want to order, I don't care. Like, they don't think about it. But every once in a while, there's a bartender who's like, I created this drink, and it's like whiskey and aquafava. Yeah. And I'm like, why are we using the juice from garbanzo beans?
1: I feel like it's a scam. I've met a lot of bartenders who have expressed very controversial opinions. Yeah. Both about gender. Yes. And about Sandy Hook. (laughs) I felt like... You would see some customers maybe give them too much credit because they look like a hot bartender.
0: Well, yeah, I think there's like this stereotype of like bartenders are great listeners and it's like therapy. It's like, no, a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are just there to make some gin and tonics. Don't ask too much of your bartender. Yeah. Well, I don't give your bartender that much power.
1: I had a friend who a bartender who would say, you're basically on a stage. And I would say- I think of it more as a cage because you are trapped and you have to make people drinks and pretend to give a shit about them. So that was You Have to Tell Me. And now it's time for our next favorite segment. And that segment is Biden Bites. Which has a double meaning this week. Oh, does it,
0: baby? Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer basically gave a statement that was like, hey, if you guys want your student loan debt canceled, you guys got to call Joseph Robinette Biden and tell him to do it. And of course, he got kind of roasted on Twitter because all the replies were like, I think he'll look at an email from you before he looks at an email from me, Chuck.
1: So now Biden's been doing this like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to have to look in you know, and see if I, if I even have the power to do that. I don't know. I got to talk to my secretary of education cabinet member. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. So Chuck Schumer is now saying you could do it. Like, just do it. Just fucking do it. And I think that's so funny that Schumer is now... Schumer is known as being like the sugar daddy of the Senate. They have the money because they have all the donors. That's why... AOC, for instance, maybe has kind of fallen in line a little more bo- a little bit more with the Democrats because they have been making it hard because they are the the literal ringleaders here. Yeah. So like if Chuck Schumer is telling Biden to do it, it's like, why the fuck aren't you doing it? Even more important
0: than student loan debt is the drama that Major the Dog is causing in the White House this week. It's it's been quite a week for Major Biden.
1: I got to say the statements about the dog is great. Oh, yeah. Because this is the second time that the dog has bit someone. First time was March 8th. And then it was just this past week within days of being back. So the first time he bit someone, they were like, you got to get the dog the fuck out of here. Sure. And the dog came back like, oh, he's done some training lessons. You know, he's.
0: He's good now. He's not going to bite you. I promise.
1: Bite someone. And then again, Jill's press secretary comes out and he's like oh the the dog's just like adjusting still it's like yeah i bet it is and the people that they've got for the articles the sources seem to be saying like the dog bit the person and all the white house statements are like it was just a little nip it's just a little nip
0: all i have to say is major biden welcome to the resistance (laughs) (laughs) even that dog knows even the dog's like i don't want to fucking live in the White House. You guys are a bunch of scabs. Something fucked up is going on here. Major knows something and he's fighting back. Thank you, Major. We salute you. Comrade Major.
1: (laughs) Comrade Major.
0: (laughs) Then a couple days later, they discovered dog poop um, in the White House, right outside like the diplomatic room or something. I don't know all the names of the rooms. And it was either Champ or Major, but they're not sure who, because both of them were nearby.
1: Who do you think it was?
0: I think it could be Major, because again, we know he's... He's with us. He's on the side of the resistance. So he's like, okay, I'm done with the biting. I'm going to poop on the floor now. But I think we can't count Champ out just because Champ hasn't gotten the you know, attention.
1: Until Champ starts biting people, I'm going to say it's comrade major.
0: Well, I think it could be that Champ wants more attention. That's one theory. Another theory is that Champ is also a comrade and wants us to know he's part of the resistance. Champ's older. And it could have been an accident.
1: Oh, I meant older, like he's broken in. He
0: knows not to shit on the floor. We can't discount the fact that maybe it was an accident, but the theory I want to live my life under is that it's Comrade Major. And again, I say, Major Biden, welcome to the resistance. That was Biden Bites. So now our main topic of the day is we're going to talk general music industry goss. We've got a couple big things. So I'm a Swifty. That's been noted. (laughs) I've been a fan of Taylor Swift since high school and I've kept it on, you know, under lock and key, but now it's kind of like socially acceptable to like Taylor Swift. So yes, I am a Swifty.
1: You were a secret Swifty?
0: I've liked her since high school and I could tell that it was not like a cool thing to like her. So I was like, you know, I wasn't like hiding it. But I wasn't like, oh, my God, I love Taylor Swift. Have you listened to Red yet? I was like quietly listening to Red. For those of you who don't know what's up with Taylor Swift, recently her masters, which are like all her original like albums, were bought by this guy Scooter Braun, who's a piece of garbage. So basically she owns none of her first. But he still works with Bieber, right? Yes, he does. He works with a lot of music people. And so he owns all of her albums up until Folklore. So what she's doing now is she's basically going in and re-recording all of
1: those old albums. And then didn't she just settle a lawsuit? And that's why she's able to record them because normally, since he owns the the catalog, she wouldn't be able to re-record without giving him a certain sum of money. But since she went to court, she can now record them without paying him. But that's why she's recording them. So she has those copies for her to use at her own what have you.
0: Yeah, just so that she owns all her music. I don't know all the legal stuff. I just know that now she's re-recording them. And as you know, during quarantine she dropped two surprise albums, Folklore and Evermore. And so since then there's been whispers of her dropping a third album, which may or may not happen. I'm still not counting it out. But the reason there's whispers of these things is because Taylor throughout her career has like dropped easter eggs for her fans to pick up. I don't pick them up. I wait for another person to pick them up and then I read their findings because I'm too lazy to do the detective work that it takes.
1: You never have like a moment where you're like, oh, that's a reference to this. Or- oh,
0: yeah, sometimes I do, but I'm not gonna seek it out
1: you know okay there's a limit to your fandom
0: yeah i'm on the taylor swift side of tiktok so i see a lot of people breaking down stuff for me for example you know when she released the lead single off lover she hid the word lover in the music video for that so that's the kind of stuff she does and so people look for that So she's kind of known for doing Easter eggs. And now people are like looking for Easter eggs in everything, which I don't think there always are.
1: It's like the Britney Spears Instagram.
0: Yes. We're looking for too many clues. They can't possibly all be there. So a week from today, she's releasing the first of her re-recorded albums, which is Fearless, her second studio album. We've gotten a few singles from it so far. One is Love Story, the very popular love story, which of course everyone knows. I'll put it under this segment if you don't. Why not?
1: I don't know in case you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know.
0: Oh, great. Well, then you'll hear it under this segment. It was very popular for a while. And she also released another song, which wasn't on the original Fearless, but is from The Vault, which is songs that she wrote at the same time as the songs for Fearless, but didn't end up on the album, which is called You All Over Me. And it features Maren Morris, who's a big country girl of the moment. Basically, there's this understanding that when she releases that album, there's going to be a lot of new songs with new features. So on her Instagram on Friday, she posted a video that I'll have to read the caption. The vault door is about to be as unhinged as you'll think I am after you watch this video. Level expert. She said, happy decoding. And it's a 30 second video of a bunch of scrambled words. And like I said, I don't do this, but the other Swifties do. So people unscrambled it. And also there's a song playing in the background that isn't one of her songs. And it's kind of warped so you can't really hear. So someone got the lyrics from the song that's playing in the background. The lyrics are, I ran into you somewhere. I didn't mean to stare. I hope she's never like me. I'm sure she'll make you happy, whatever. But everyone also took the time to decode the words to find out the names of the songs that have been in the vault. And so the names of those Swifties are predicting are, we were happy, that's when, Bye Bye Baby, Don't You, Mr. Perfectly Fine, and then You All Over Me, which we already have. But there's also people unscrambled the words Keith Urban. So they think Keith Urban's going to feature on one of them. Oh, wow. So that's big Taylor Swift news, but that's going to come out next Friday. So you best believe I'll be talking about it on the podcast.
1: So we'll be hearing more about that.
0: I mean, we talked about Lil Nas X last week.
1: There's more to talk about. Okay, so... Everyone, not everyone, all the people we don't like hated the video, which is perfect. Exactly what he wanted. showing their colors. I mean, Mm -hmm. seriously, I think we did talk a little bit about homophobia in the genres that he's messed around in. And as we talked about, like people did not hold back here. Mm -hmm. That's been wild. Then on top of that, so he's been working with this marketing company called Mischief but it's MSCHF. Mm-hmm. And they got the idea to buy all these Nike sneakers. So they're not endorsed by Nike but they bought them mm-hmm. from wherever, shoe outlet, warehouse, who knows. Yeah. And they made these shoes into satanic shoes. Now the the swoosh is very much visible but they added like a pentagram charm to them. Mhm. They claim that there's a drop of human blood in this cushion part of the shoe where there's also red ink. They bought 666 pairs of these shoes and they sold out 665 of these in under a minute. Yeah, And they were saving the last pair to be auctioned off. But now they can't because Nike gave them a cease and desist order. So now they're in court trying to talk about what the legalities of this is. And it's very interesting because it's art with the theme of I think this music conversation we're having is, you know, with Taylor Swift creating basically a crypto language with Swifties and Lil Nas making these shoes. Like musicians are having to create more than just an album to Mm -hmm. sell more albums and to basically create a career. Well, and to stay relevant
0: because, you know, you even think of like Billie Eilish has a very specific hairstyle, which now she's colored her hair. But it's like you have to have this certain presence that musicians haven't had to have before. And especially because they're not touring right now.
1: Well, and I I think, let's see, back in the day during Elvis, you did movies and you did music. Mm -hmm. And back then the record labels didn't have the same amount of control. Mm-hmm. So there's probably more profit from touring and merch and yeah. so on. And then as record labels became more in control, your money came from touring because mm-hmm. the labels would take so much of the actual album Yeah, and merch. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, now you can't tour. So we kind of seen this sort of artist relationship, like I think Lady Gaga, did a great job with like all her, her monsters and Madonna kind of had a thing, you know, with all her, her sex orgy stuff back in the day, Mm -hmm. but it's turning into where it's crossing over other mediums. They're making NFTs, which as many times as I heard a podcast or read about an NFT, I still don't understand them. Yeah.
0: I refuse to learn what an NFT is.
1: If anything, they're just infuriating. So the shoe thing is crazy because the only reason Nike's reacting to this is because homophobic athletes, I think, are coming out Mm -hmm. and saying stuff like, well, we should all just boycott Nike. And so Nike wants to make it very clear, like, we did not endorse this.
0: Which it's interesting because... And I didn't do a lot of research into this. So what do I know? But this isn't like the first time someone's done something like this of buying up a bunch of Nike shoes and like redesigning them and selling them. Yeah. And they're not getting sued for it.
1: I think with art, because I actually (laughs) I actually went to art school Ooh, and this was kind of a conversation, especially in printmaking, because in printmaking.
0: Oh, yeah. It's all about taking someone else's stuff and repurposing it. Yeah. I took art history.
1: Hey, baby. So under parody law, I think you should be fine.
0: That's a whole part of art is appropriation.
1: Well, and Nike, I believe, because Lil Nas's lawyers were quick to point out that Nike made like a Jesus Nike. Exactly. So the only reason this is problematic is because it's satanic. Yeah. So then these Jesus shoes versus... Satan's shoes, then you're acknowledging the meaning of these ideologies, which then is a whole other layer to your branding and whatever your corporate stances are, which in private business, sure, be homophobic if you want, but like no one's going to want to support that. I mean, no one, you know, clear thinking.
0: I mean, Nike obviously can't really decide what it's doing because it was just trying to use Colin Kaepernick for clout. Yeah. So they're just chasing whatever they think is going to get them the most money. And obviously, to me, it seems like they saw Lil Nas X's song was getting really popular. They're like, he's probably going to make a lot of money from that. How can we get money from that?
1: Yeah, I think that's also part of it. It's like, we're not getting a cut in this collaboration. In this insanely popular thing. Yeah.
0: Because if Nike was selling those shoes... They'd be like, who cares if it's the devil? We're making money off them. But they're not selling them. They're not getting the money. They Someone bought them at the, an outlet.
1: And they would have made more than 666 pairs.
0: Exactly.
1: Which, frankly, kind of ruins the whole concept.
0: Exactly. Can't make more than 666.
1: I was thinking they should have done 333 pairs because then it would have been 666 shoes.
0: That makes sense. They probably knew it was going to sell out. Maybe they didn't, but...
1: I definitely would have used my stimulus money <laughs> to buy those shoes.
0: Anything to support little Nas X. I love weird Satan shit, though. The shoes themselves to me are not shoes I would wear.
1: No, you, you put them on your bookshelf. And that was also something, too, that they were saying is like, this is art. This isn't. This isn't shoes. The Nike's lawyers came back. And were are like, well, then how come Miley Cyrus is wearing them in her Instagram? She chose to do that. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe she'd wear a Picasso on her chest. I don't know. I don't ask. Yeah, and she probably would. I love her. She's a queen.
0: I'm a Miley Cyrus fan, of course.
1: You know, I shared bathroom with her once. That's cool.
0: Miley Cyrus is one of those celebrities that if we met, I think we would have fun. But I don't think I'd be able to hang out with her more than like once every six months. Oh, because you think it'd be too
1: wild? Yeah. I think we'd have a great time though. I think what you wouldn't like is when she's doing business Mm. because then she's Probably like, I don't want to say diva in the sense of like, oh, she's a bitch, but like, she just probably doesn't take shit. Exactly. And then she's like, you know, you're hearing about every little fucking complaint and like everything that's going wrong that day. And then you're just like, I thought we were drinking friends. I don't need to know that. Yeah. Your car was five minutes late for a 7 a.m. call. Like, oh, yeah, I don't give a shit. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go back to the party, bitch. Oh, and OK, so then the third the other controversy of the Lil Nas thing is that this one is it's so minute, but like it got so much airtime. time was that he people were like, oh, he stole FKA Twigs cellophane video. I saw this. And then they had a gentle talk about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I saw that basically he was like, I didn't know that's what my team was going to be like referencing. It's like, obviously I'm a big fan. I didn't mean to like steal it.
1: And there's a crossover of people in his team who also worked on her video.
0: Exactly. It's got to be hard to be FKA Twigs in this situation because her video didn't blow up like that. And it's the same thing.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest. I had a job when that video came out and someone at work showed me that video and I, I was like, OK, <laughs> I mean, I thought it looked really cool, but I was just like, I, I definitely did not have the same connection that I felt when I saw Lil Nasus.
0: Well, I do think that Lil Nasus had a very clear like concept of like riding a stripper pole down to hell, which is so specific And I think it's a part of a larger video that took off because it was iconic. And I mean, of course there's a conversation to be had about like, did hers not take off because she's a woman or whatever? But I think there's a number of reasons. It's just like sometimes things don't take off the way other things do. Well, and there's a limited, um, there's a different fan base between FKA Twigs and Lil Nas X where Lil Nas X unfortunately has a bigger built-in fan base because of Old Town Road. He's gonna have that till the day he dies.
1: Yeah, I I feel bad. I really did not know much about FKA Twigs until until recently. Between Robert Pattinson dating her and yeah before the Shia LaBeouf stuff came out. I was like, oh, this is a person that people are familiar with. But
0: yeah. I don't know her music. I don't know how much creative say either of them had in their videos. Yeah.
1: We don't know how many of their people also work for Gates. And for Addison. And Ray. for Addison Ray. It's a small
0: world. They've had a big couple of weeks. Hollywood is small. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo just dropped a new song and it's good. Oh, it's good. Those listening, you're familiar with Olivia Rodrigo, probably from Driver's License because it took off really big. Kind of the last big song before this Lil Nas X song. And the reason it took off big is because she was kind of was the story of a love triangle between her and Joshua Bassett and Sabrina Carpenter. This is old news, the love triangle. I'm not going to rehash the whole love triangle because it takes a lot of time. And you can see many great, very thorough YouTube videos that take you through the whole timeline. But the gist of it is Olivia Rodrigo and Joshua Bassett dated. She was 17. He didn't want to date her before she turned 18. And then- Before she turned 18, they kind of grew apart and he started dating Sabrina Carpenter. So it was just obviously what the takeaway is, is that it was a sad breakup, but it was really no one's fault. It just didn't work out. Sometimes things don't work out. And that's kind of what Driver's License is about. But the part of it that got play is the lyric, you're probably with that blonde girl who always made me doubt which is about Sabrina Carpenter. I mean, it's as good as confirmed. Obviously, Olivia Rodrigo will never confirm that.
1: Wait, was that lyric in Driver's License? or is that- Driver's License. Okay, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So basically, it got this play for being part of a love triangle. And then Joshua Bassett and Sabrina Carpenter obviously got involved with their songs, which just haven't taken off like Driver's License. Because for one, they're not as good because Joshua Bassett released a song that isn't about Olivia that's called Lie, Lie, Lie. You can see why he released that, the clickbait of it all, but it's not about Olivia and it's not his best song.
1: And Olivia is kind of, uh, because of driver's license, even if the song Lie 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 was about her, I feel like she's already won as like the little darling of the situation.
0: She got out first with a song about heartbreak, so it's going to be hard to switch someone over to your side. Yeah which is unfortunate for Josh and Sabrina. But again, Driver's License is not really about like, this guy broke my heart and he's a dick for it. And this girl stole my boyfriend. It's really about like, I'm really upset that I'm dealing with this heartbreak and I wish it had worked out. So it doesn't villainize either of them, but I think, you know, that's the juicier story. So that's what got released. And so of course, Joshua and Sabrina and probably their teams were like, we have to play into that. And then Sabrina Carpenter released this song called Skin, which basically is like, Yeah, I'm having sex with your boyfriend. Are you mad, bitch? It's so mean.
1: (laughs) You said that so mean, too. I felt it.
0: That is what the song sounds like. She's basically like, you can't hurt me. I'm fucking your man. And so, of course, Sabrina comes off looking even worse because the point of driver's license was like, oh, I always felt so insecure because she's so much cooler than me. And the point of skin is like, yeah, and I'm fucking your man. So it like it doesn't turn out
1: well. Punching down. She's punching down.
0: Exactly, she's punching down. So Olivia just released Deja Vu, which is her first follow-up to Driver's License. And basically the point of this song is, it's really good if you haven't listened to it. But basically the point of the song is like, we did all these things first. Do you get Deja Vu when you're with her? And the music video is basically her and this other girl in the same costumes and outfits, you know, kind of switching back and forth. And it's probably obviously about Josh, but some highlights from the lyrics. First of all, this is just funny. Watching reruns of Glee, being annoying, singing in harmony, so admitting that they watched Glee together. That's just funny to me. Well, that was kind of how they met was a
1: Glee-esque.
0: Yes, on High School Musical, the musical, the series, which- <laughs> Every time you say that,
1: I feel like you work for that
0: because you say it so Perfectly. I wish they would like sponsor this podcast. I'm one of many people saying this, that show is really good. And it seems like it's gonna be stupid. It's so funny. It's so good. If you have Disney Plus, watch High School Musical, the musical, the series. Don't plug them too hard. Let's wait for them to pay us first. But here's some highlights from the song Deja Vu. So when you are gonna tell her that we did that too? She thinks it's special, but it's all reused. That was our place. I found it first. I made the jokes you tell to her when she's with you. Do you get deja vu when she's with you? That's good. She's a great songwriter. And a lot of people are comparing her to Taylor Swift because of that. And probably because her relationships are embroiled in the media. She says, do you call her Almost Say My Name? Because let's be honest, we kind of do sound the same. Another actress. I hate to think that I was just your type. And I bet that she knows Billy Joel because you played her uptown girl. You're singing it together. Now I bet you even tell her how you love her in between the chorus and the verse. And then later he sa- she says, play her piano. But she doesn't know that I was the one who taught you Billy Joel. A different girl now, but there's nothing new. She
1: probably has Taylor Swift people.
0: Oh, Yeah. Well, and she on her social media is always like, oh, Taylor Swift's my idol, blah, blah, blah. And Taylor Swift is like, oh, I love driver's license. So the comparison is being made and they're both calling on it to be made, but she's going to be huge. And obviously like, this is a tale as old as time. Celebrities using their public personas in the media to enhance their music and to bring more stories to them. And now they kind of have to. What do you think her fans will be called? I'm sure they already have a name, but I don't know it. I bet it's like Livinators or something. Livies. Olivia Rodrigo. Fan names.
1: Who do you think started that? Mariah Carey with her lambs?
0: I guess. It, it is Livies. It is Livies. It's Livies. That's, I told you. Grace is becoming a Livie. Becoming. I am a Livie. i love olivia rodrigo i think she's gonna be great what i'm most excited for is in like 10 years when olivia rodrigo is accepting her like artist of the decade american music award you know joshua bassett's gonna come out on stage and they're gonna sing driver's license together
1: and then grace is gonna be in the audience and stand up and say i've been with you since the beginning like i was olivia from day one fuck you joshua bassett (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. They're going to escort me out. <laughs> they're going to they're going to pull you out of there with the zip ties around your arms. Yeah.
0: Lord knows how I'll have gotten in there.
1: Maybe I'm up for an award.
0: Who knows? In 10 years? Yeah, I mean, 10 years. In 10 years I could be a pop star.
1: Yeah, you could be there supporting the musical artist that played on your movie soundtrack. That's true cuz I'm a ce- I- I'll be a celebrity. You'll be a celebrity by then.
0: I was invited as a close personal friend of Olivia Rodrigo, but I got too drunk. Oh, boy. With Miley Cyrus. Yeah, with Miley Cyrus. And so we're in the crowd being like wearing our Satan shoes, being like, fuck you, Joshua Bassett. And Olivia's like, please don't like we've we're over it. I'm like, you suck.
1: You got the 666 pair that they haven't released.
0: Yeah. And I don't wear them until that night. But yeah, I'm excited to see where Olivia Rodrigo goes. I do think it's this, it's a whole new world of music now because of social media. Yeah. The way that social media plays into music. Because right before she released this, Olivia Rodrigo like archived all her Instagram posts and just posted like one frame from the video and was like coming soon. So there's like a certain theatricality to releasing songs that there wasn't before.
1: No, there is. I think it's, they're using social media... They're using these somewhat loosely autobiographical stories to create a fan verse, yeah. so that when fans participate, one they become more excited because it feels more real than just like listening to an album. Like mm-hmm. I think it was the '70s when they started releasing LPs. Mm. is when they started creating concept albums so like prior to the 70s if you were a musician you were just like throwing 10 songs that you wrote on an album Mm -hmm. or 10 songs that already maybe exist but you are singing them so it's somehow that's where the difference is and then in the 70s because they were releasing LPs they were like oh we could actually like get artists to create the art for the LPs. And then we can create these sort of stories. And so then you have like these larger concepts and now 2021, they're blown out where we've got Nike shoes and Mm -hmm. uh, love triangles, you know, yeah, cryptic videos.
0: I know it's like, there's these old expectations and new expectations. I mean, Ariana Grande has talked a lot about this where she Ariana Grande released thank you next really soon after sweetener. And she was like, I just think like music is changing. We don't have to wait the same amount of time we had to wait. And I mean, Olivia Rodrigo, like she's released a lot of songs on her Instagram, like driver's license. She had posted on Instagram like a year ago or not a year ago, but it's like, there's this, it's not so behind closed doors anymore. Like it's all much more coming out into the open.
1: I think that's also the difference of who's pulling the strings. Yeah. Prince. Mm-hmm. That's why Prince changed his name. Like Prince wanted to release, like he was writing so many songs all the time. Mm-hmm. He wanted to release everything as they were coming yeah. to him. Cause he felt like that's the way his creativity works. Exactly. And the record labels were like, no, you have to do like a full tour and you have to sell like all this merch. Like you have to exist in this verse that you created before you move on to the next. And that's part of the reason why he got into like all these beefs with the record labels and like finally was like, well then I'm gonna change my name to a symbol so you can't even hold me to whatever prior agreements were.
0: Yeah. It's just, I mean, what it comes down to too is it's the same thing as the shoe where unfortunately for an artist to be successful, they have to deal with the business stuff which are like in opposition you should be able to just design a shoe that they're selling somewhere and resell it. But unfortunately, there's all these things that it becomes a gray area in art when it isn't in other places. And I mean, it's been a tale as old as time with art. I mean, like in the 1900s, they were dealing with this.
1: Yeah, it's just who's the guy pulling the strings. And
0: right now that guy pulling the strings is Spotify. And
1: a lot of people are upset with them. Yeah. I was just reading about how like artists make less than a penny per stream. Mm-hmm. And of that money, a portion has to go to the song publisher mm-hmm. and their label before they yeah. get a cut. Which is wild because I I think music should be available to everyone. Yeah, I agree with that. But we do need to find a better way to pay the people who are creatively coming up with the concepts and pay the labels less because
0: because the person who's doing all the creative work
1: ends up... There just should be no CEOs.
0: Yeah, I mean, that just goes... That's true for
1: all industries. Like, it really should be more of a co-op. Like, if you're on a label... Because I do think, you know, all the stuff the label does do for these people, Mm -hmm. it's not like they are like, good luck. I mean, I think maybe in some cases. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they pay for the studio. They They pay up front to say here's X amount of money and now we're going to expect an album in X amount of time. Mm -hmm. So there is an investment.
0: Yeah, it's not like they don't offer anything to the artists, but I think they have this, you know, this attitude of like, well, without us, you can't really do it. And that's just because they're the ones in charge. So it like becomes a snake eating its own tail. It's like, yeah, I can't do that without you because you're not letting me do that without you. Yeah, they're gatekeeping. Yeah, exactly. And I think, and I mean, this has always been an issue It makes me think of Kesha, who her albums were like locked up because she accused Dr. Luke of sexual abuse. Yeah. And it's like, there's all these people defending him. And these artists have to like jump through hoops to get ownership of their material because that's the label set it up that way.
1: Yeah. Too many perverts in the
0: kitchen. Too many perverts everywhere. That's the lesson. I mean, I do think with the way that musicians have become more prevalent as like, personalities we see every day and not just people we hear on albums people are becoming more aware of the inequalities that artists are facing and more willing to kind of fight against them yeah which you see with like fans of Lil Nas X who just will support anything he does I mean we do I mean I do yeah
1: it also becomes a conversation it's almost like a litmus test Mm -hmm. for people's EQs and IQs
0: this is like a running theme of this episode is people's teams and the power they have or don't have.
1: Yeah. Because
0: I, of course, watched the Taylor Swift documentary. It's called Miss Americana. And even if you don't like Taylor Swift, I do recommend it. But basically she talks about, it's kind of about her journey of like, she became famous when she was young. And she's like, I think that when you become famous, when you're young, you get purposely frozen at that age so that you won't have to like, so that you don't fight for yourself because she basically had to convince her team to let her post something in support of a Democratic candidate in Tennessee. They were like, well, your country, you're gonna alienate all your fans. And so for a long time, when Taylor Swift was in the public eye and then she like retreated from the public eye for a couple of years, which maybe you were aware of, maybe you weren't. It was because like everyone was like, well, Taylor Swift doesn't talk about politics. So of course she's a Republican. Because this was when all this Trump stuff was coming out. Everyone's like, if you're not mentioning something, there's a reason you're not mentioning it.
1: Well, she'd already, there was a lot of hypocrisy to some of the politics that she would express and turning around on it. Like, there's a lot of good material discussing the feminism of Taylor Swift and how she kind of has this, what would seem like she's doing something great for everyone. And then it kind of turns around and looks like a movement of privilege. So, for instance, like, remember when she went to court over the sexual harassment charge? Mm-hmm. And it looked like, yeah, girl, you tell them not to touch you. But then it was also like, okay, she's not really addressing this as. A wider issue, mm-hmm. and it looked very more like a privilege issue of like she,
0: it's very much she has for a long time been the poster child for white feminism because yes. and I mean, I think that is in part to coming of age in the public eye with a team who basically tells you everything you can and can't do, that when you're 14 and you have a team, you trust them completely.
1: I mean, everyone in your life is probably telling you these are the people. Exactly. Who these
0: people know what they're doing. And so I think it's become for her this process of unlearning now, which she addresses in the documentary, which she addresses again and again. But you think of like the Kanye West Taylor Swift feud when he interrupted her on stage and then the whole thing where he wrote a lyric about her and he called for her approval and it sounded like she gave her approval, but then it was like more complicated than that. It's all kind of and this goes back to the driver's license thing. It's all about Whose side are you on? And it's like, it's not always whose story is the correct one, but it's about who's came first, who you're already on the side of, and...
1: who sells more.
0: Yeah, and I think Taylor Swift has had these ups and downs, and a lot of them can be attributed to her not knowing what she's doing. And it's the same as the Addison Rae thing, is like, it might not all necessarily be her fault, but unfortunately, you are your team when you're famous. Yeah. So you have to, like... You just have to own up, which I think Taylor Swift is trying to do more. And she's retreating from the public eye because of it. She's not living her life as publicly as she once was when she was having these huge parties with like her squad of like all these girls that it was like she was very much performatively on social media and she's really not anymore.
1: Yeah, I love these uh, recent blind items about her traveling in suitcases.
0: (laughs) That was a big theory for a long time that she didn't want to be seen. So she would be like in a suitcase.
1: Yeah, that's pretty funny.
0: The point is, look, I'm a Swifty, so I'm on her side. And I don't think she's like been perfect her whole life. And I don't think she gets to say like, well, I didn't know. So I'm fine. But I think she has, when you're coming of age in the public eye and you're young like that, I think we have a much more evolved view of it than we did when she was first young. I mean, we talked about last week with Misha Barton, Paris Hilton, all of them, I think the public eye has been much more kind to Taylor Swift than it was to them. Mm -hmm. But it was still at the time when all of the stories around her were like in relation to the men she dated. And of course the music she wrote went along with that because I'm sure her team was like, well, this is what the people want. And so when she wrote Folklore and Evermore, it was a lot about, she wrote a lot not from her perspective on Folklore and Evermore. And she said it was a hard journey for her to realize that people would care about music she wrote if it wasn't about the
1: tabloids. Oh, did she said that in the doc? Yeah, she said it. She does
0: she did like this uh folklore documentary where she played the songs and she talked about them. It's called the Folkwood Long Pond Sessions. It is on Disney Plus. It's great. I did try to watch
1: her doc. I didn't I quit very early on. Yeah. Um, I think it was I think they came off a little heavy at the top with some of her yeah. issues.
0: The last 15 minutes of it where it all ties it up is really good.
1: But I was gonna say I, I did watch the Billie Eilish doc. And love Billie Eilish. It was it was fun for the family.
0: Yeah, I think you see someone like Billie Eilish who who isn't over sexualizing herself because she doesn't want to. And obviously, if someone wants to, they're they're allowed to. But it's it's good to see that, you know, she has a little bit more freedom of expression than, you know, Britney Spears did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think in the case with like Billy that we talked about while we were watching it, in my house Mm -hmm. was how she's already coming up in a system that her mother especially is like already familiar with. Yeah. So like her mother had been an actress and a screenwriter and a groundlings person. So Sherry has like kind of an in and a perspective of how some of this works. Mm -hmm. And then you also have her brother who's like super into music or whatever. Yeah. He's like a producer. So by time she's like, Hey, guess what? I want to do all this performative stuff. She's surrounded by people in her family who have an idea of like mm-hmm. how to get her noticed and how to protect her. Like, I yeah. really think her mother probably has done a very great job of protecting her. Yeah. It's all about having the right people on your side. Yeah.
0: If I was famous, I would never hang out with you again. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're coming all the way up to the top with me, baby.
1: Oh, thank you, Grace. I'll, same, same here.
0: Whoever gets coattails first, we're riding. Woo! That's the lesson.
1: That's the lesson. Have a good team. Grace, where can people find you?
0: Okay, well, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at TheGracePiper. I also host a Vampire Diaries podcast with my sister that's called Doppelgangers. And you can find us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. And I also have a blog. And if you want to read my blog, that's at TheGracePiper.com. I write essays. They're very fun, I think. Bridget, where can everyone find you?
1: At Bridget underscore Suck it on Twitter and Instagram. You can find this podcast on Instagram and Twitter as well at The Gossier. We have a link in our link tree. If you want to ever submit gossip, my sister submitted Bees in the Trap. That's all she wrote because she's an asshole.
0: So if you have a serious submission, please put it in.
1: But If you put a joke one in, I will call you an asshole.
0: And that's a good enough reason to submit something. There
1: you go. And if for any reason you ever want to contact us, maybe we got the facts really wrong here and you feel like the sheet's not appropriate, you can email us thegossierpod at gmail.com.
0: Absolutely. That's been today's episode with Gossier. Until next time.
1: Enjoy your chamomile.
0: Yeah, enjoy your chamomile. Good luck with your heartburn.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.